Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, I am talking to Professor Simon de Lusignan. Simon is the Professor of Primary Care and Clinical Informatics at the Nuffield Department of Primary Healthcare Sciences at the University of Oxford. He is also Director of the Royal College of GPs Research and Surveillance Centre. Now, this is one of Europe's oldest sentinel systems and they've produced a weekly report of influenza, respiratory and other infections in primary care for over 50 years. They also work closely with Public Health England to report vaccine effectiveness. So the research we were discussing today has just been published in the BJGP and the title is Excess Mortality in the First COVID Pandemic Peak, Cross-Sectional Analyses of the Impact of Age, Sex, Ethnicity, Household Size and Long-Term Conditions in People of Known SARS-CoV-2 Status in England. First of all, I asked Simon to tell us a little bit more about this research and how it was done. What I'm, uh, we did in this paper was we looked through the first peak of the COVID pandemic at those people we knew uh, had a recorded um, COVID status. So this is people in the community, they may have been in and out of hospital or people seen through our surveillance system who we either had a positive result, a negative result, or a clinician had given a pretty definite code that, that they had COVID. And what we did is we compared the first part of this year when there was this peak of mortality with uh, the previous year and, and made a uh, analysis of what, was, uh, what were the risk factors associated with an excess mortality. Yeah, so it's very much about this first peak and the deaths that were associated in the first peak. So obviously particularly important now that we're at the time of recording, we're now really facing a second peak. Tell us a little bit more about the data source that you've used to put together this study. Okay. The, the, these data are collected from the Royal College of GPs Research and Surveillance Centre, which is one of Europe's oldest surveillance systems. Uh, it's uh, uh, well over uh, 50 years old, been collecting data regularly in the past from around 100 practices long term. But at the start of the year, we increased to 500. And we've had so much uh, interest in the profession. We've actually got over 1,700 practices now we're interested in sharing data with us. Uh, we, we collect routine data. We encourage practices to have high levels of data quality. I'm a firm believer that good quality coded records is all part of caring for patients. And we also have collections of uh, virology specimens so we can confirm the diagnosis and also serology specimens, which again, uh, tell us whether patients are immune to COVID and how long that immunity might persist for and it was this set of data that we used for this study. Yeah, it's, um, I've certainly heard that phrase in the past that coding is caring. And, and certainly when it comes to research, you can't manage without high quality coding, can you? It's, it's absolutely right. I mean, we have this uh, fantastic um, primary care system where every patient is registered, has a unique ID, the NHS number. And if on top of that, we code data reliably, it, it really helps us as individuals know about our performance, our practices performance compared with other people and provides fantastic data for surveillance and research. Yeah, so you've got this extensive network and really that means that there's tremendously big numbers here that you've been able to use for this study, you know, these data. Um, over four million, I think, you know, in terms of the data point. Is it that data points or is that individuals? 
that, that, that 4 million is 4 million individual records. We collect data pseudonymized. We have no interest in people's personal details, but it would be uh, over 4 million individual records. And uh, uh, since this data, our, our data set has got even, even bigger, but it gives a good nationally representative population on which to uh, draw any conclusions. Yeah, so this is based in England, this one. So that's a really incredible um, set you've got here. Tell us a little bit about the results. The results are, are interesting because they are a, a community set of data, a unique community uh, set of data uh, representative of the, 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 the population. And they by and large show uh, produce findings that are similar to those that were um, found in um, acute hospital uh, settings. Um, and what we found was that as you got older, that male gender, that black ethnicity, and if you lived alone or in a larger uh, communal establishment, uh, you were uh, unfortunately had a, a greater risk of mortality. Um, we found the same around uh, chronic conditions with what appeared to be a little bit of gradation of risk between uh, chronic kidney disease and people who've had heart attacks and uh, uh, people in heart failure. Um, and also uh, people of learning disabilities uh, to uh, also be at, at, at greater risk. The results have confirmed some, some of the things we already understood about COVID, but there's a couple of um, important points there to pick out, isn't there, that you've found that seem to suggest um, that perhaps haven't been previously recognised, the, 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 the larger households in particular. You know, and I think your study came out was like nine or more in the household had quite a significantly increased risk of mortality was associated they were associated with an increased risk of mortality um, and that learning disability one as well so that they're they've both they're they're eye-catching aren't they because they've not been so clearly shown before I, I think they are very important and our household care gain has been a reasonably unique uh, feature of it uh, one of the interesting things with household size is that people who live alone perhaps because it's small and they either require carers or need to go out um, were, were at slightly high risk, but then the medium-sized households had the lowest risk. Perhaps they were larger establishments and, and, and more able to self-care. And the larger households include communal establishments, which would include uh, care homes and nursing homes. And this, again, may, may contribute to uh, um, the, the reason we saw a higher mortality. Yeah, there's certainly it's um the it's table four in the paper just so people are wondering to go straight to this where the results are and they're really set out really nicely. It's a it's an open access paper, so it's easy for everyone to get hold of. Um, I I did notice that it was interesting. You saw that the um there wasn't actually an increased risk with hypertension. I noticed so one of the findings that because that was something that was mentioned a lot in early um, studies with COVID and has been found that hypertension was felt to be a risk, but in fact in this study that hasn't been the case. It's, it's possible that it is because we uh, separated off CKD that that's the case. I mean, I regard CKD in primary care as largely a microvascular complication of hypertension or diabetes. And uh, if you have people with hypertension, their risk is relatively low. Those that go on to get CKD probably have a five to eightfold risk of myocardial infarction and mortality. So I suspect um, what we were seeing is the risk within hypertension uh, embodied within the group within uh, CKD rather than across that group as a whole. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. That's a fair comment. And um, certainly that CKD increased risk is quite obvious, isn't it, in the findings? Yes. 
indeed and, and across all our studies we've seen that group to be at increased risk what do you think are the big implications here what do we need to be doing differently that comes out of the off the back of this research i i think it should help us target our response in the uh in in the um uh unfortunately emerging uh, second wave uh, many pandemics have a second wave and many times that second wave unfortunately is a little tougher than the, the the first and i think this should help help us focus our response on those who are clearly at much uh, greater risk uh, particularly because the, this study um, does fit and is compatible with other findings so it's not we're creating something that's out on a limb from from other messages that are emerging yeah builds really nicely on the existing work one interesting thing that Another wrinkle I noticed that you didn't find a link with deprivation, which you know there had been a PHE report that had shown that in the has shown that in the relatively recent um, uh, past. But I thought you you had some thoughts on that in the paper as well. Yes, I mean it, it, it is interesting that because you do get overlap between socioeconomic status um, and population density and potentially number of household occupants. So it is possible that other related manifestations uh, are why that didn't, um, didn't, didn't uh, emerge. And it might just be that that same phenomenon is manifest in the, 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 these other variables in our model. Yeah, um, that's really helpful. Thank you. Can I perhaps just as we round off now, can I get you to summarise just briefly the main findings again from your research? So um main findings in this this paper have been when we've looked at um, a population ac across uh, the community uh, where we know people's um, COVID status that uh, people of greater age of male gender uh, black ethnicity uh, particularly in larger likely to be communal establishments those with uh, chronic diseases and people with learning disabilities are at greater risk of mortality and we should be carrying forward that learning into how we look to manage um, what looks like to be the, the next emerging peak of infection. I think it's tremendously important research and it's going to hopefully make a big difference to how people approach this second wave and some of the measures we can put in place to mitigate the harms. Uh, Professor de Lusignan, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks again.